1 Timothy chapter number 1. In verse number 18, if you found it, say amen. amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, mightest by, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Verse 19 says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. I want to preach for a while this morning on avoiding shipwrecks. Avoiding shipwrecks. God, I thank you for your people. God, for everyone that is gathered here this morning in your house to worship, I thank you, God, for these great people that love you and love your work. God, I thank you for everyone that's joining online. I pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to speak into this place. God, I bind every power of darkness that would try to hinder the work of your Spirit in this place. I pray, God, for you to have free reign in this house to show us your glory, to confirm your word with signs following, to deliver captives and set them free in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, for your anointing to do its work in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise and worship him as you're being seated this morning. Over countless centuries, many ships have fallen prey to the briny depths of the sea or to the emerald darkness of great lakes. Some were accidents both natural and caused by negligence. Others by piracy, malintent, sabotage, or battle. A rough estimate by the United Nations shows that at least three million shipwrecks are lying across the ocean floors. According to the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum, there are around 6,000 shipwrecks in the Great Lakes that have taken the lives of over 30,000 sailors. Historian Mark Thompson actually takes issue with those conservative numbers. In his book, The Graveyard of the Lakes, he estimates that there are over 25,000 shipwrecks at the bottom of the Great Lakes alone. Popular movies, poems, and dramas depict the heart-wrenching tales of lost ships lamenting their crews and hopeless passengers who drowned in the depths of oceans and seas. Shipwrecks are testimonies to the trade and cultural movements of mankind. They provide a window into the long histories of conflict and survival and track the destinies of nations. Famed and obscure shipwrecks dot humanity's historical record. 
from the Khan's lost fleet of 1271 to the five shipwrecks that have already been reported in the first two weeks of this year, with six sailors reported as missing since the dawn of this year. The sad stories of shipwrecks are part of our record as people. The Spanish Armada sunk along the coasts of Ireland and Scotland, losing over 5,000 soldiers in the 1500s. The Titanic, famously described as unsinkable, went under after colliding with an iceberg on its maiden, on its maiden voyage, April 14 of 1912. The British passenger liner Carpathia, which is, was famous for rescuing survivors from the Titanic, was itself shipwrecked after being hit by a German submarine in 1917 in World War I. The Apostle Paul was no stranger to shipwrecks. While on his way to Rome in Acts 27, the ship was caught in a terrible storm, and after two weeks of struggle, the ship was sunk, though no lives were lost. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 25, Paul stated that he had been shipwrecked three times, though were unaware of the circumstances of the other two incidents. I recently read a sermon by a preacher who said, the reality of life is that you are either coming out of a storm or you're going into a storm. There are many causes of shipwrecks. According to Marine Insight, many ships are lost simply because of instability. Ships have what is known as a metacentric height. This is the level of the ship that must be kept at or below that the ship must be kept at for there to be the proper balance in the water. If the ship goes below that height, it becomes unstable and can capsize over the slightest issue. An unstable ship has trouble avoiding shipwreck. Psalms 31 and 23 says, O Lord, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. Can I tell you this morning that one of the greatest things you can do for yourself and for your family is to find stability in your walk with God? Those who are up and down, in and out, unfaithful, not involved, unable to be counted on, those are the ones that almost always end up in shipwreck. Can I tell you this morning, there are blessings to faithfulness. There are blessings to faithfulness. There are blessings that come when you discipline yourself to be consistent in your walk with God. I don't want to be a shipwreck because I'm in unstable. I don't want instability in my church attendance, in my worship in my prayer, in my involvement. I don't want that instability to lead me down a path that will cause my life to become 
a shipwreck? How stable are you spiritually? Are you consistent? Some are consistent in a negative sense. Do you maintain a proper level of spirituality in your life? Can I tell you, there are some people that if they don't show up in the prayer room, I'm surprised. Sadly, there's other people. If they do show up in the prayer room, I'm surprised. Instability is a cause for shipwreck. Instability will lead you down a path that will cause your spiritual ship to be sunk. God, help me to find stability in my walk with you. Amen. Can I tell you that the Bible tells us, and I wish I had added the verse to my scripture list, but I didn't. But the Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you look at that verse, it seems as if it's backward. As if, you know, normally an author wants to build to a climatic conclusion. He wants to, to, to raise it up. But the Bible says, it starts out with, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. It goes from flying to running to walking. It would seem like it would be more climactic to talk about walking, then running, then flying. But the truth is that we do a whole lot more walking than we do running and a whole lot more running than we do flying. But God help us to be consistent in our walk with him. I'm gonna, there's, there's times when we soar like eagles, but most of our life is spent just trying to find a way to put one foot in front of the other. Don't quit coming to church because you're not flying high. Don't quit coming because you feel like you're not making progress running with the Lord. You just keep walking one consistent step at a time, and I promise you, you'll find a way to find stability in your life. Somebody praise him this morning. Oh, come on, let's praise him. The Holy Ghost wants to speak to somebody this morning. Are you consistent? Do you maintain a proper level of spirituality? Or is your spiritual life out of balance? One of the things that commonly causes instability, according to resources, is flooding, flooding in the ship. Again, according to Marine Insight, Quote, flooding is the most common reason why ships sink. End quote. Flooding is the most common reason why ships sink. The scientific explanation behind how ships float is that the weight of a vessel is supported by the water that it displaces. In simple terms, if the water stays outside the boat, it floats. When water gets in the boat, it sinks. It's about as simple as it can get. But flooding, but flooding is the number one reason why ships sink. When water breaches the hull somehow or another, or in a great storm, the water comes in through waves crashing or rain, and it comes with a breach in the hull. That flood of water inside the ship 
creates an imbalance as the waves begin to toss the ship. That water in the ship, the weight shifts from side to side. And a wave that normally would not sink a ship that does not have flooding in it. That wave normally wouldn't bother it. But when you have all the water inside the ship, a small wave can tilt the balance and cause the ship to go under. Not because the wave was so bad, but because there simply was too much water on the inside of the ship. Amen. Can I tell you that when the ship of our soul gets too much of what's not supposed to be in on, in, on the inside, it creates a spiritual imbalance. Amen. When we get too much worldliness in our life, it throws us off balance. And when there's too much worldliness in the life of a Christian and that balance is lost, any little thing can throw you off track. Things that you would have easily got over if you were living right. Well, amen. I'm trying to preach to us today because there's nothing more sad than a shipwreck. There's nothing worse than somebody that used to be full of the Holy Ghost and living for God that finds them away so far distant from the Lord. There's nothing worse for a pastor than to preach a funeral of somebody who used to be living right, but you haven't seen them in a while. God help us to keep the water outside the ship. When water floods the ship, whether through storms or a hull breach, it creates this imbalance where the weight of the ship is now larger than the weight of the water that displaces it. As a result, the vessel continually begins to sink lower in the water due to mounting pressure. The holds, the walls, the bulkheads eventually rupture, which lead to the vessel rapidly sinking. But the vessel didn't sink rapidly. The vessel sunk because over time, it took on water, and that water eventually found a point to where the integrity of the vessel could no longer resist the water pressure that was building. And then something happens, and it looks like the ship went down quick, but in reality, it was an issue that had been building over time. Can I tell you that nobody backslides overnight? Nobody backslides from one Sunday to the next. It's a gradual seeping in of the water of this world into the heart and the mind and the soul of an individual that begins to be a drag on their spirit. And where they used to navigate properly, there's a list and they find it trouble. They find it troublesome trying to go straight. They find it troublesome trying to go the right direction. And eventually the weight of the ship becomes more than what the integrity of the ship can handle. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Can I tell you that somebody doesn't cheat on their wife hardly the first time they meet someone. But generally, it's a long flirtation that takes on water into the ship until all of a sudden something happens. It's a lack of taking care. You're not helping me preach, but that's all right. I've come to preach that the child of God needs to make a commitment to holiness to keep the water out of your ship today. 
You got to make a commitment to keeping the world out of your heart, to keeping the world out of your spirit. The sad thing about preaching is that generally the people that need it the most, while you're preaching it, they'll say things in their mind like, oh, he's just saying that. I can handle it. I can deal with it. It's not for me. I'm okay just like I am. Oh, God, let there be a fall of conviction over this house this morning. That God, from the most righteous to the most unrighteous, we are all struck with a burning desire to get our ship sea ready for the rapture. God, that we would get ourselves prepared to get the water out of our ship. God, I don't want to take a leak of water into my spirit that will somehow drag me to the depth of the sea. It begins by just looking away. It's just a trickle. It's no big deal. There's bigger things to worry about than that. I'll get back to that. I got to take care of this and this. I'll get back to that leak. But before long, that leak has allowed so much water into the ship. Well, I can do that and it's not really bothering me. I can, I can, I can do that a little bit and it'll be all right. I can handle it. And then before long, you're clutched by the grip of addiction or sinfulness or pornography. Or the dress of this world. The manner of speaking of this world. Amen. Can I tell you? There is a constant pressure against pastors that says, don't bring this stuff up. It'll run somebody off. Don't preach this way. It'll make somebody mad. Don't talk about this. You got sinners in the pew. But can I tell you that if the church isn't holy, we can't help anybody. If there's not a commitment on the part of the Christian that I got to get sin out of my life. Come on, ladies. Some of you are doing stuff you know you shouldn't do. You ought to quit trimming it. You ought to quit wearing some of that stuff. And men, your pants don't need to be that tight. Straighten up and become a child of God. Come on, it's time for us to get it together. We got to get the water out of our ship. If you want to avoid shipwreck on the seas of life, you've got to keep water out of the ship. Water doesn't belong in the ship. And worldliness is the enemy of the soul. Amen. I'll say it again. Worldliness is the enemy of the soul. Anything that distracts us from obeying the Bible is the enemy of my ship. Anything that takes my time from being focused on holy things is water in my ship. Carnality is water in my ship. Loving to look like the world is water in my ship. Talking like the world is water in my ship. Acting like the world is water in my ship. 
when I can get more excited about some rock or country singer singing about ungodly things than I can about worship. It's water in my ship. And the more water that gets in my ship, the harder it is to steer. The more water that gets in the ship, the harder it is to go forward. And soon the ship is stranded and the slightest wave causes a shipwreck. Another major cause of shipwreck is navigation errors. Poor judgment. Bad decisions on behalf of the captain and crew often leads to maritime disasters. The poor decisions by the captain of the Titanic placed it in an area where icebergs were known to exist. The hubris of the unsinkable ship caused the captain to sail into waters that he normally wouldn't sail into. His overconfidence in the hull of the Titanic put it in a place where danger was lurking below the surface. Poor decisions by the crew. Moms and dads, it's up to you to properly navigate your family in the seas of life. It's your responsibility to guide your children towards heaven. When you prioritize other things above spiritual things, poor decisions that lead to shipwreck. When you allow things that are ungodly into your house, because you'd rather give in than fight with your child. You are laying your child on the altar of this world and sacrificing to them to to the God of this generation. At some point, you've got to stand up and navigate the ship. You're the captain. You're not a passenger. You're the leader of your home. Be the mom and dad that God wants you to be. Draw some lines, set some standards, and get your family to heaven. Amen. Bishop Wilson, there was a time when you could preach like this in this church and people would be shouting and running the aisles. There's a problem when holiness preaching bothers a supposed apostolic. There's a problem when people who are supposed to be Holy Ghost filled get frustrated when worldliness is discussed. But by God, I want my family to go to heaven. Poor decisions by the crew. life around distractions instead of around spiritual landmarks you're sailing your family into dangerous waters another cause of shipwreck improper maintenance improper maintenance is a major cause of shipwreck not tending to the things in the ship that need repaired overlooking things that need attention. Not making sure that the hull is clean and strong. Not properly caring for the engines and other vital machinery. 
are all dangers for the ship. Let me just say as simply as I can that if you know you're having problems in your worship, don't overlook it. Perform proper maintenance. If you know you're having trouble in your prayer life, don't ignore it. Perform proper maintenance. If you know you're, you're struggling in your church attendance, don't just ignore it and think it might get better by itself. Improper maintenance causes shipwreck. There are ships at the bottom of the sea that nothing more than a few dollars spent on rivets or screws or something not very minor could have kept it from happening. But because proper maintenance wasn't taken care of, a ship and its crew lie at the bottom of the sea. God help us. Oh, God help us. God help us not to let something as simple as just proper daily maintenance keep us from being all that you have us to be, God. Don't let me lose my family because I didn't maintain a simple prayer schedule. Don't let me lose my family because I got too caught up in the things of this world that I didn't bring them to your house and show them how to worship. God, don't let improper maintenance cause me to lose my family. remember as a child, my, I, I was supposed to be at school. I don't remember why I wasn't at school the day that the, uh, the space shuttle Columbia exploded. It was in the 80s. I was supposed to be in school. I think it was the 80s. It's been far enough back that I don't remember, but I know, yeah, 86, 87. And uh, I was standing in a Firestone tire dealership. My dad was getting tires put on, on one of his vehicles and they had a television in the lobby, and I was watching. I was watching that that uh, that space shuttle go up. And I had written a report in in school about the space shuttle and, and all that. So I had done a little study, and I watched that thing go up. And man, it was awesome to watch. And then I saw as that thing exploded in air, the entire crew. I think six or seven of the crew immediately killed. Months, months went by of them trying to figure out what happened. Months go by, they dissect all the records, all the things, and they come to the conclusion that a simple O-ring on the solid rocket fuel booster, a simple O-ring, less than a dollar in cost, had failed, and because the maintenance wasn't taken care of, the world watched as a ship exploded. There's no such thing as a little thing when eternity is the stake. There's no such thing as a little thing when it's eternity that's at stake. When it comes down to my children being in hell or heaven for eternity, there's no such thing as a little thing. The Bible said that Noah moved with fear and built an ark to the saving of his house. Amen. I, I've been teaching home Bible studies on Sunday afternoons and on Wednesdays. And in one of our classes a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, we talked about Noah and how Noah moved with fear. And God told Noah, build an ark 
out of gopher wood. And I made the comment in class that I didn't know what gopher wood was. I just knew that when God says get gopher wood, you go for wood. And somebody in the class looked it up. I think two people in the class looked it up. Did, was it you, Steve? He looked, it, it's Cypress. It's Cypress. He said, he said, build the ark out of gopher wood. And, you know, when, when, he's, when, he's, when, when you're thousands of years ago, and I, I've got a tree that, that fell in somebody's yard, and they told me I could have it. And I told him, I said, I'm going to try to get Brother Wilson to get the backhoe to help me, to help me move that tree. This is my formal request. But Noah didn't have a brother Wilson with a backhoe. And so it wasn't that easy. Don't you know that Noah, over a hundred years of building the ark, he cut down all the gopher trees close and he got started. And then he went a little bit further out and cut all those down. And then he went a little bit. And after a while, it might take days to go to where the next gopher wood tree is and cut it down and drag it all the way back. It might take weeks to get one usable board because of how far you have to go and how long it takes to process. And it might take weeks to get one plank that's usable. And don't you know he walked past a lot of elm trees and a lot of hickory trees and a lot of oak trees and a lot of maple trees and a lot of pine trees and don't you know there was a thought in the back of his mind, why am I going all this distance for gopher wood when there's a perfectly good elm tree 50 feet from the ark? But no, he moved with fear when it came to saving his family. There's no shortcuts. Well, I don't know if I really have to come to Sunday night church. I would hate for you to find out different in eternity. I don't know if I need, I don't know if I need life group or prayer room. I'd hate for you to get to eternity and find out that that's exactly what you needed to keep the water out of your ship. Noah, move when you're building an ark for your family. There's no such thing as too hard. Don't you lift your hands to heaven? I'm, I'm, I'm being pushed by the Holy Ghost this morning. Y'all know me. Y'all know I don't like preaching this way. You know I try not to if I can help it. So you know that what I'm preaching today is something I feel in the Holy Ghost. It'd be a shame for us to lose our families over things that we thought were too little to care about. Well, God doesn't care about that. God, why does God care if it's an elm tree or a gopher tree? Why does God care if it's an oak tree? or I don't know why, but Noah moved with fear. When you're ark building, when you're ship building, and the salvation of your family depends on how you build the ship, there's no such thing as a little issue. Another reason, another common cause for shipwreck is overloading. Overloading. In an attempt to make more money off the extra cargo, some companies and captains allow their ship to become overloaded. Because of greed, they overburden their vessel and lose the cargo and very often lives at the bottom of the sea. By taking on too much cargo, they lose the ability to navigate and balance the ship, often becoming top heavy, 
waves can cause a shift in balance. And because they overloaded the ship, they lose not only the cargo, but they lose it all. Not the amount that was at a healthy level. Whatever the tonnage of the healthy level of cargo, it's not that they only lost the extra, but by putting the extra on the ship, they, all, they lost the extra and the ordinary. When we get so greedy that we have too much work and not enough God, we're overloaded. When we have too much hobby and not enough worship, we're overloaded. In our quest to make it in this world, we overload ourselves with tasks and things that become a distraction to our worship. If I can lovingly talk to our young preachers, our young men, you have to find a way to balance work and worship. You have to find a way to, practice, to balance prayer and work. We can't give less to God because we're giving some of ourselves to other things too. When we walk through the doors of this church, our mandate is to worship like we've never worshiped before. And our mandate is to pray. And we've got to find a way to not get so overloaded by the things out there that we carried in and here and it causes our ship to sink. Amen. I preached a lot of stuff in that little bit that some of it I'm just gonna let you all take on, take, figure it out on your own because I got some other stuff I need to get to. And I knew I had a lot to say this morning. And so I asked Brother Ethan to get me up a little sooner and thank you, Brother Ethan, for doing that for me. Actually, thank you for doing it for them. Another major cause of shipwreck is war and conflict. I was in Poland last October where our missionary is housing somewhere around 100 refugees from the Ukraine, people that have lost everything. In November, I went to Russia to do some things and help our missionaries there. That conflict has changed a lot. One of the things that I found out just in the last few days, that in the last about a year, 83 ships have been sunk because of war. Conflict, 83 ships. You say, well, that's to be expected with armies fighting each other. If you go online and you read the list of ships that have been sunk in that conflict, at the bottom of the list, there's a whole list of ships from other countries not involved in the war that whether it was 
a rogue missile or mine in the water, that that conflict between Ukraine and Russia has claimed ships and lives that were not even involved in the war. Conflict almost always causes someone to be shipwrecked. If you're going to argue and fight and make war with someone, you need to consider the other person's soul. I've seen people get angry and say things to other people that damages relationships and causes bitterness. And let me just go ahead and, and, and I'm going to set something on my notes right there so I'll get back to that point. As far as I know, we don't have anybody at war with each other here in this church. I'm, now I'm not foolish enough to think it's not happening somewhere. I just don't, I'm not preaching something I know about here, okay? Let me move my note off of there now. But I've seen people get angry and say things to someone that damages relationships and causes bitterness. Shipwrecks because of conflicts that could be avoided are some of the saddest things to watch. Children in conflict with their parents. Husbands and wives in conflict with each other. Brothers and sisters that won't speak to each other. Friendships lost. Families shattered because somebody was determined to have a war. Eternal souls lost over temporary circumstances. Things that in eternity just were not worth it. Shipwrecks. Shipwrecks. When you want to argue with somebody, just remember that that person has a soul. And if this war causes them to become a shipwreck, their blood will be required at your hands. So if you're going to argue and fight, it better be worth it. Because shipwrecks can destroy things that take years to build. Well, praise God. You want me to preach a little bit there or you want me to move on? 99% of the things that people argue about aren't worth arguing about. Any parent that has children, you know that you'll listen to your kids fuss and fuss and fuss. And when you find out what they're fussing about, you're thinking, my God, that ain't even worth thinking about, let alone arguing about. But they spend an hour arguing about it. Has any parent, has any parent ever told your kids, hey, that's not worth fussing about. Why don't you just drop it? I don't want to hear another word. But then when it comes to our issues, we think it's worth fighting about and we don't care who we talk about and what we say and who overhears it. We got to grow up and quit spiritually being babies taking stuff out on each other. I don't want somebody to be shipwrecked because of a war that I started. God help me. All right, I'll move on there. Finally. People love it when preachers say finally. <laughs> finally, storms are a major cause of shipwrecks. Storms are unpredictable. There can be atmospheric conditions that are going on over the horizon that the sailor can't account for. I know I have a pastor friend whose church is going through a terrible storm right now. 
From what I understand, someone on social media said that that pastor should have had enough discernment to know what was going on. That comment was unwise. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Stay out of social media drama. You don't need to comment on other people's problems. Your opinion doesn't matter and your input isn't necessary. Stay out of it. If you can't help yourself, then cancel your social media account. But stay out of other people's stuff. I canceled my Twitter account a couple of weeks ago. There's too much drama, negativity, and craziness on Twitter. And I got to decide it's not worth it to me to, to, to wade through all that garbage. So I just decided I didn't need it anymore. Amen. There's so many issues going on in a church, in people's lives. When you get this many people that all have lives and families, there's so many issues going on all the time that it's impossible to predict everything that may come down the pike. If it was possible, then how was, it, how was the Apostle Paul caught so unaware by several things that were going on in his orbit? He was blindsided by John Mark turning back. He was caught unaware by Demas forsaking the church because he loved the present world. And in our text, he delivered Hymenaeus and Alexander to Satan that because that they would learn not to blaspheme, it all caught him unaware. Amen. Can I say, just stay out of other people's stuff. You might cause a shipwreck. And at the very least, you don't want to pile on on somebody already going down. Well, hallelujah. God, let this word get in our hearts. Storms come. Storms come. I said the quote early in the message that you're either coming out of a storm or going into a storm. You can't predict everything that's going to happen in life. Some of my best days ended up in terrible situations because something that came out of the blue in the middle of the day, storms that come, storms are going to happen. But God help us. I, I, I need to hurry. Timothy, in our text, he said in verse 19, holding faith at a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Paul said there's two things you got to have if you want to survive a shipwreck. you got to hold faith, and you got to have a good conscience. Faith or faithfulness and trust in God. If you will live a faithful life before God, when an unaware storm comes your way, you will survive it. But if you are not practicing faithfulness, that storm may throw you so far off track that you can't make it back. And a good conscience. Live your life in such a way that you don't have to carry a bunch of guilt. Live your life in such a way that when you have to call on God in an instant, there's not a hundred sins between you and him. 
holding faith and a good conscience. He said, which some, having put away, have made shipwreck. Storms come out of nowhere sometimes. Can't predict what will happen in life. Seems like you're sailing along in beautiful weather and then something happens that throws you off track. In the middle of a terrible storm in Acts 27, the storm they called Eurachlodon. Paul, after two weeks of having not seen the sun or the stars because of the storm, seemed like it would never end. Has anybody ever been in a storm that seemed like it would never end? He said they, they had lost all hope. They threw everything they could overboard. They lightened the ship. They did everything they could. And yet the storm continued to rage. They did everything they knew to do. They did everything. I read a quote about Acts 27. I read a quote. It was called the most, the most thorough example of ancient seafaring navigation that survives in history because the detail that Paul gave with what they did to try to save the ship. It's the most detailed historical account of ancient navigation. With Patton, they did everything they could. They steered this way and steered that way, and yet the storm raged. They threw all the cargo off the ship, and yet the storm raged. They decided, the, there's a joke, the Bible says that they lightened the ship and they let her drive, and there's a joke that says that's what happens when you let a lady drive. But I didn't make that joke up. I guess I did choose to tell it, though. They let her drive. That meant that they realized they weren't able to navigate it. And so they just thought maybe, the, maybe if we just let the ship go with the waves, that, that, that somehow we'll be able to keep the integrity of the ship. They did everything they could. They tried everything. And then the Bible says that Paul was praying and the Lord spoke to him. An angel of God came to Paul. He said, you're not gonna lose your life, but you're gonna lose the ship. And so Paul goes up on the deck of the ship and he tells him, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna survive the storm. He says in verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of God whose I am and whose I serve. When you're going in a storm, God help us to have lived the kind of life that we can stand in the storm and say, I'm his and I serve him and I will survive the storm. I'm gonna avoid shipwrecks in my life. I come to tell you that God sent an angel to Paul in the storm and I wanna tell you, you're not alone in your storm. But I gotta do everything I can to avoid a shipwreck. As your eyes are closed, 
Lord, I pray for the Holy Ghost to move here right now. God, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to save someone that's bound for shipwreck. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here that I've touched on anything, that your spirit has quickened to them, that it's something they need to be mindful of. God, if somehow, some way, something can happen this morning that will cause a family to avoid being shipwrecked. God, if there's a young person in here that's allowing some stuff in their life, and I preach to them, instead of just pushing it off, let them see it as a call from the lighthouse to avoid a shipwreck. Marriages that are careening towards the bottom of the briny depth that could be saved with a little grace and a lot of prayer. Shipwreck. Men and women that are directing themselves down a path towards destruction. And they know it. But they feel helpless to stop it. Shipwrecks. Oh, Heavenly Father. God, that you would move and look down into this place today. God, that somehow, some way, somebody's soul could be spared from destruction. I wonder if I got anybody that'll help me pray right now. And I'm not talking about just whispering a passionless prayer, but I need somebody to help me pray because I feel like eternal souls are in the balance. I feel like God has designed this to be the moment for somebody to have their reckoning with him that God has chosen for this to be the morning that somebody's course is turned. Come on, I need somebody to help me pray. The devil's fighting hard for some people here this morning. The devil's trying his best to get somebody to put it off, push it off. Discount it. It's just another sermon. It's just another sermon. But it's not just another sermon. It's a call from God to change direction. There's an iceberg just under the surface of your life that you're within inches of crashing against. And when you do, all will be lost. And you'll think back to this sermon, to this moment, that God was doing his best to salvage Come on, let's pray all over this place. Moms and dads ought to be crying to heaven for their children. Children ought to be bombarding heaven for their parents. Brothers ought to be praying for sisters. Grandparents should be wailing before God over their posterity. Avoiding the shipwrecks of life. 
Come on, the altar's open. Anybody that wants to come and pray, you're welcome to come. This is a serious moment. This is a serious moment. This is a reckoning with destiny. This is the moment that could save your marriage. This is the moment that could turn your family around. This is the moment that could break the chains of addiction. This is the moment that could heal brokenness and bitterness. This is the moment to avoid a shipwreck. When the hole is breached, it's too late. You got to do it now. You got to do it now before the storm strikes. You got to do it now before you strike the iceberg. Oh, come on. There ought to be some wailing in this place. This is not the time for tepid, timid praying. This is the time for patty cake praying. This isn't the time. This isn't the time for polite praying. This is the time to call and cry out to God. I need you. I need you, God. I need you. My family needs you. Some of y'all to be laying in the altar praying over your grandchildren or your children or your spouse or your siblings. God, save them from shipwreck. This is not time for politeness. This is time. This is time to shine a light and sound the depth. The alarm should be going off. God, I need God, I need you, Lord. God, my family needs you. I'm desperate for you to move. I'm desperate for you to change it, God. I'm desperate for you to turn it around, God. I need you. I need you, God. I need you. I need you, God.
That's right. Come on, pray one for another. This is a moment of reckoning. This is a moment of time. This is a merciful act of God to get our attention, to shake us and stir us up. God, I don't want to become shipwrecked. I don't want to navigate my family towards disaster. Whatever I got to do, Let's pray one for another. Find somebody to minister to. Find somebody to pray with. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your mercy to talk to us today, God. Thank you for your mercy to reach for us today, God. a little bit deeper right now. Let's press a little bit deeper. Right now is a perfect moment. The Holy Ghost is here. It's the perfect moment to deal with some things that's been hard to deal with lately. We gotta do whatever we gotta do to be saved today. We gotta make sure we don't lose our lives because of a little thing. Some little thing that weighs us down too much. Some little thing. Some little hole in the ship. God, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. not right in this, oh God. Take everything that's not pleasing to you, Jesus. Everything that would hinder us, everything that would cause us to lose our salvation. God, take it away right now. Remove it, God. Get it out of our hearts. Get it out of our minds. We, we lay it down at the altar right now, Jesus. Reach down deep. Reach down deep. Check yourself. Check yourself. Because there's too much cargo on the ship. There's too much for you to handle right now. Is there too much water? Too much of this world in the ship right now. God, empty me. God, empty me. Empty me of everything that's not like you, Jesus. right now, Lord. All of us, all of us belongs to you. Everything belongs to you, Jesus. That's all right. Cry out to the Lord right now. 
Cry out for your families right now. Cry out for your friends right now. Cry out for your own soul right now. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let shame and insecurity hold you back. Cry out before Him. Let Him come and heal you. Let Him come and deliver you. Let Him come and save you right now. The Lord loves you with an everlasting love. life change in the room right now if you want to be changed, if you want to be delivered, if you want to be set free it is here right now, the Holy Ghost is here can we lift our hands all over the room and surrender to Him come on, surrender everything there's not anything worth holding on to that would cause you to go shipwreck you need to surrender that to God right now, there's not anything worth holding on to give it to Him right now Give it to Him right now. Let Him take those heavy burdens. Some of you, it's just been some weights and burdens that you can't get over. Give it to Him. Cast your burdens on the Lord. And the Bible says He shall sustain thee. He shall sustain thee. Cast your burdens on Him. Let it be upon Him. Let Him take care of it. God for just a little bit. Can we get real with them? God, more than anything, I must be saved. I don't care what you have to take from me. I don't care what you have to do to me. I don't care what I have to change. I don't care what I have to give up or start doing. God, I put it in your hands. I've got to be saved. Come on, let's linger in the Holy Ghost for just a little bit. We're not wasting any time when we have eternity at stake. Oh, God, help us. Save us, Lord Jesus. Deliver us, Lord Jesus. Redeem us, oh God. Oh, God. 
If you're not praying for somebody, why don't you find somebody? Why don't you find somebody near to you? Why don't you find somebody close to you? Lay your hand on their shoulder and pray with them. Minister to them. You have no idea what they've been going through this week. They, their, their ship was probably about to tip by the time they came to church today. You need to pray for them. Pray for their soul. Pray for their family. Come on, minister to one another. You have no idea. They may have came with a suit and a tie on. They may have came with, with a smile on their face, but on the inside they're hurting. On the inside they about shipwrecked. Let's pray for one another right now and strengthen one another right now. Because above all else, above all else, above all else, we must be saved. of prayer in the room that's the sound of life change that's the sound of restoration let it flow let it flow let it flow just a little bit longer let it flow let God do that work let God do a complete work on you today don't stop it too soon don't don't hinder the spirit don't quench the spirit let there be a complete work in you today
Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands one last time? Let's pray this thing out. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for life change that happened. God, we thank you that you didn't condemn us. You convicted us. And conviction draws us closer to you. Your goodness draws us to repentance. And God, we want to repent of every sin, of every iniquity, of every wrong thing, of everything that would cause us to, to have shipwreck. God, we repent. We cast it aside now, Jesus. And we're praying, Lord, that you would save us, cleanse us, wash us, make us what you want us to be, oh God. Help us to stay on course. Let us not lose the faith, but help us to stay consistent in the faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Clap your hands if you're thankful for the word this morning. Two quick announcements, two quick announcements. Immediately after service, we have first steps. Step number two. If you've never been to First Steps, we invite you to come. If you have been, this is step number two. If you haven't been to step two, please make sure you're there today. Also, the second announcement, if I can read it. Sometimes when I squint my eyes to pray, my eyes blur up. The the Bethlehem Church ladies will have a brunch this Saturday, January 21st at 10 a.m. This Saturday, or Saturday that's that's this Saturday. Saturday, January 21st at 10 a.m. Bethlehem Church Ladies Brunch. If you're a lady, be be sure to be a part of that. In Jesus' name, who who in this place is ready for a move of God tonight? Are you expecting God to blow our minds tonight? Hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time and give Him praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can be dismissed today in Jesus' name. Amen.